I always wondered if marketing lives in the heart or in the head. Should you trust your instinct or your integers? Often the answer is both, but should you lead with one more than the other? So bring your heart and your head and join us in the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Jenkins, Executive Vice President and Global Marketing at Carter's. Jeff joined Carter's in 2019 as EVP Global Marketing, leading brand strategy, marketing, customer insights, business intelligence, creative, visual merchandising, communications, PR, and customer experience for Carter's, a multi-billion dollar portfolio of brands, including Carter's, Oshkosh Bagash, Little Planet, and Skip Hop. Prior to Carter's, Jeff was with CKE Restaurant Holdings, the parent company of Carl's Jr. and Hardy's Fast Food Restaurant Brands, serving as Global Chief Digital Officer and previously as Chief Marketing Officer. Jeff also worked as VP Digital Marketing and Channel Activation at Whole Foods Marketing, where he led the Global Digital Marketing, and prior to that, he was the Director of Digital Experience and New Platforms at Taco Bell. Jeff, thanks for joining us. We are excited to be here and chat with you. Jason, I'm super excited to to be here and be part of this. Today's episode theme, it's outlasting the competition, how an old brand stays young. And the reason why uh, this is such a good theme for Jeff is he's, he's working in a lot of different parts on a brand that is 157 years old and has really outlasted everyone in the industry. So I think the theme is going to be really interesting on on how brands uh, can can kind of stay relevant and keep reinventing themselves over time because a lot of brands might not last that long or they might be around but they might not be uh, in the in the top seat. Um, so before we get to that, we're going to start with the Jeff Jenkins origin story. <laughs> how did you get into this this line of work? I have a very weird background um, and it doesn't read on any resume. And to your point, it's an origin story, which makes me sound like a Marvel superhero, which my kids are going to be very excited about. In your own head, everyone's a Marvel superhero. Exactly. So my marketing origin story started when I was about 16. I was a tennis player. I was playing in uh, in Europe um, and I heard this song on the radio um, that uh, was super catchy and was playing in all the clubs. And I'd never heard it before in the United States. And I thought, this is the coolest song ever. Um, and I really thought this could be a big hit in the U S how does this, how does one get a song become a hit in the U S and so I came home, started showing all my friends, the song passing around sort of doing what is now marketing, right? Really trying to inform people who the band was getting, building brand awareness, the song to show you my excellent musical taste was all that she wants by Ace of Base is another Um, baby. All that she wants is another baby, which is funny that I work at Carter's now. Uh, was my origin <laughs> story. So how does that work out? So uh, oh, you have anyway, to use, you have to use that song in some advertising. It, it, we'll have to figure out how to license that one. But a, as you would imagine, um, eventually that song hit in the U.S. and I thought I was a genius. Now the real story behind why it hit in the U.S. is because Clive Davis was vacationing on a yacht in somewhere in Europe, heard the song on the radio, and made it a hit in the U.S. But I like to think I played some small part in that. And that led me down this journey of like, what is advertising? So that's like part one of the origin story. Part two of the origin, second origin story is I went to school at UVA, did not plan on um, majoring in advertising, didn't major in advertising. Um, and through a series of unfortunate or fortunate events, I ended up in a play after college that went from Chicago to San Francisco back to New York. I was an actor. 
uh, through a series of things that happened in college. Ended up on some shows that were um, uh, Star Trek and uh, a seat show on the CW and a, and, a, and a soap opera. But I was essentially not really working. And so I got a job because I couldn't just sit idle all day working for MTV. And during the day, I was basically a hired gun at MTV. I was a temp worker. Um, and the person who hired me took a shine to me and started my marketing career. And that gentleman's name was Fred Seibert, who was the original creative director of MTV, who came up with the phrase, I want my MTV back in um, the early late 70s, early 80s. And he opened my eyes to what truly marketing is and launched me down the career path that I have today. Oh, that's amazing. I always thought it was George Lois that came up with, I want my MTV. No, Fr Fred Fred is the original. He was like, I think, 18 at the time when he was the creative director in 1979, oh 1980. My God. I mean, he was, he was uh, uh, just, and he's gone on to run Hanna-Barbera Studios and do amazing things throughout his career. Wow, that's a great, I love that story. And did you just love it right away? And did you say, I don't want to be on Star Trek anymore and <laughs> I'll just listen to Ace of Bass on my headphones? Did you, like, how did you make that, uh, what made you drawn to it? Yeah, so I, I I went to work for MTV, the the company, and at the time MTV had bought a series of other channels like CMT and TNN and all these channels, and they were turning TNN, which was the Nash the national network at the time, into eventually what became the national network and what eventually became Spike TV. So it was this small channel that was being ignored, and so we were given sort of free reign to do and try different things and. We literally were cutting um, cutting ads with man on the street interviews. And so it was like a free reign. And as, as someone who was young and was willing to sort of go and jump in and play just a very small part in that journey, it was eye-opening as to what you can do with creativity and how you can change the trajectory of the business. And I thought to myself, like I sort of fell into the acting thing by total happenstance. It was never an intent to be a career path long-term. And it just became one of those things, 9-11 then hit. Um, so I was the play that I was in was going to Broadway and sort of 9-11 hit nine, and Broadway shut down. And then I moved out of New York and moved to Los Angeles. My journey has been all over the globe uh, from Sydney to Los Angeles to Austin, Texas, to Nashville, Tennessee. But I'm in Atlanta now. That, a great, great origin story. How has your experience in the food industry impacted what you do now? Um, and, and as a note, you kind of went from fast food into healthy food in a way, right? You went from like yep. Carl's Jr. Hardee's to uh, Whole Foods and then to Carter's. Yeah. So it's going to be funny to say this, but there's very big similarities between Carter's and working for a decade in fast food. Um, and if you think about that, and I'll use Taco Bell as the example, um, Taco Bell is a life stage business. So if you think about when you turned 16, you went to Taco Bell. Your parents didn't necessarily take you to Taco Bell. They talk, took you to um, you know, McDonald's or Burger King, the traditional fast food. Taco Bell was the place you went with all your friends. It was cheap. You could afford it. Oh my God, it. that's so true. Uh, I never thought about that. And it, 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 it's a fun of this. And by 25, you're sort of moving on. You're out of Taco Bell. Well, that's the same thing with Carter's. I've got to uh, find uh, our customer base as soon as they get pregnant, decide they want to have children. And then by the time they're they're ten or eleven, we sort of they move on to to other brands. So the actual marketing skill necessary to sort of be relevant to that that next generation of parents or fast food users, and then really be with them for ten years is really the same skill set. So while they're massively different industries, they're both extremely fast moving, and they require you to be really adept about what the customer is experiencing at that time, and always grow with them. Because I have a ten year old child, 
Um, and my 10 year old child, when, when, when she was born, I wasn't scrolling through TikTok at three in the morning while I was doing a feeding so my wife could get rest. That's what's happening now. There was no iPhone when my child was born. So the, the, you have to be relevant to that next generation of parents, just like I had to be relevant to that next generation of teen that was going to be joining the Taco Bell clan. I think that's really interesting because I, I, I focus a lot on um, core audiences really important in marketing. Some brands try to stretch to, you know, you have different lines for different age groups and you, and you want to have a wider tent or, or bigger um, mass audience. And I think there's something in having that core that you're focused on that, you know, maybe that's one, one insight or one reason why Carter's has been successful for so long is not trying to be all things to everyone or try to capture as the audience gets older, their kids get older, trying to, trying to be that, but really be focused. That focus might be one reason um, that, that it's been successful. Yeah, I think there is what we say internally is there's no one that understands what it means to be a parent more than Carter's. We've been doing it for 157 years um, of passing down tips and tricks, um, you know, doing innovations in the baby space, and no one knows what it's like to be a parent. I think that's our secret sauce, and that's how we've got to continually to evolve. Of well, what's it mean to be a parent in today's world? I mean, I think the secret sauce that we talk about internally at Carter's is no one knows what it means to be a parent like we do. As you said at the top. Carter's has been doing this for 157 years, whether it's product innovation, understanding that role of the parent and how we can help. Our goal is simply how do we remain relevant to that next generation of parents and pass that knowledge down and really build that community of parents. That's awesome. Is there some formula of success that you take with you that whenever you approach a new project or uh, a new industry that that is consistent that you take with you that you can share with, uh, give us some insight on? You know, I think there is a recipe for how I approach the business and it all starts with understanding the consumer. I think being at Yum Brands for sort of a decade is understanding the consumer and, and really and really moving content at the speed of culture. Culture is at the, at the center of everything that a community is built on, how people interact, what they're interested in, how they're talking to each other. And so how do you create content and experiences and moments for brands at the speed of culture? And I think that's something that Taco Bell sort of instilled in me with as a brand that it has to always be relevant to a 16-year-old. How do you stay at the tip of, of culture? We always say that social is the sharpest point of the spear, right? It's got to be really pushing the boundaries every, every time. So when I come into a new role, it's understanding the audience, getting the insights. You know, parents are very different than teenagers, um, very different than grocery shoppers. But once you understand that audience, how do you then do things that blend current culture? And we've done amazing cultural things that no one expected at Carter's, like partnerships with Kith that no one saw coming. And then how do you bring that in a way that connects with your audience? And so I think if I have a, a, a sort of method to the madness, it's all around understanding the consumer and matching that with current cultural trends and um, blending the two. That's sort of the recipe I bring to new roles, right? Is how do you understand the customer, gain the insights of the audience you're trying to reach, and then pair that with things that are hitting in culture, um, really that are at the forefront of culture and blending those two things together. You know, at Carter's and we own the, the Oshkosh brand, right? Everyone, everyone has a memory of wearing little Oshkosh overalls. But one of the things we did was, you know, Kith Kith is one of the most amazing sort of fashion brands out there. Doing a collaboration with them was completely unexpected, um, but brought sort of newness to the brand that's been 125 years in the making. Uh, with Oshkosh. And so it's those moments of really understanding the brand and pairing that with cultural things 
that are going to push the brand forward and connect with that consumer audience. I love that. I remember the Kith Oshkosh. It's such an unexpected partnership and it kind of elevates both brands. And I, I thought that was just so smart. Do you have any other examples of the, that type of uh, convergence of the audience and culture that you've done either, um, you know, really at any brand, but do you have a, another example that stands out for you? Jason, we actually have uh, a new partnership and I'm actually going to be giving up my title as uh, CMO of Carter's. And uh, it's a very exciting way to give up your title because uh, as the chief marketing officer, I'm going to be taking off the hat and passing it to our chief mom officer, um, which is uh, not just any mom, but it is Hillary Duff, who has been an icon to millennials and Gen Zs who are now in entering parenthood and really is going to help us continue to propel the brand uh, forward and remain relevant to generations to come. Oh, that's awesome. This podcast is a lot about soul and science. And when we talk about soul and science, we talk about the soul of the brand, which is really the reason for being the purpose, why it exists in the world. And then science is using insights and data. And so when you're doing these partnerships and these collaborations, how much of it is with your head and how much of it is with your heart? Like, is there research that you do to, to look at trends or do they move so fast you sort of have to just make a make a call or or how much how much of it is is the science part uh in order to build the soul part yeah i am a big believer in sort of equal parts um soul and science i, I don't think you can be successful without either um or if you tip the scales too much to either one so you know from a understanding the sort of the headpiece and the analytics and the sort of insights, you have to have that base. But when you're building platforms and building campaigns, you have to work and understand where the heart is and understand where the heart of the consumer is. I'm sure like you, we put plenty of things into test with consumers who, you know, aren't interested in the product or, or, or give it a lukewarm response. But in my heart, I can tell that it's going to resonate once it gets out there. And suddenly you put it out, and it's massively more successful than you could even imagine it. Um, but you also have those analytics that help you make the fine, the fine tweaks uh, and really give you the germ of the idea to start out with. Yeah, the Hillary Duff thing, I, you know, I don't know anything about the stats or the data or the science part, but you kind of just know that that's, that's right for the brand and super relevant. It seems like a really smart marketing move. You know, Hillary was sort of um, raised a generation of kids as Lizzie McGuire as a kid, and now she's on how I Met Your Father, which is um, heading into season two. So she's relevant and living that sort of experience with uh, parents today. So I think she is very exciting to, to join as that chief mom officer. So she'll be joining as chief mom officer, but also rolling out a collection, uh, a clothing collection as well with us uh, for, for kids, which will be very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Going back into your career, one question that I did want to ask you about in 2019, I believe you came, you came to Carter's. When you come on board... You want to always put your stamp on something and bring your secret sauce, but also be a caretaker for what's come before. You know, how, how do you think about that when you come on board? Jason, the word you used, caretaker, is the perfect word, right? As a brand that's been around for 157 years, me sitting, being lucky enough to sit in this chair, um, leading marketing for such a uh, respected organization, I'm only a caretaker. I'm not going to last 157 years. And for the next 157 years, so I'm in this seat for some period of time, and I'm lucky enough to, to sit here. I look to the past and say, what has this, this company done well? And 
they have evolved multiple times over 157 years, which you have to do to survive. You know, from starting out in a business of wholesaling to opening outlets to moving into malls to moving into e-commerce to really changing their business model to having we had exclusive brands at Target, Walmart, and Amazon, um, and being in the wholesale channels in a unique way. You know, I think this company and what I did was look at what they have done and just build on you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, quite frankly, that have come before me and really just adding a little bit of my flavor, but really honoring what's come before me. You've been there a bit. You've done a lot of uh, really interesting work. Why do you think the brand has outlasted? And we talked about core audience moving at the speed of culture. Is there something also in like the DNA of the brand that you that's kind of magical or clarity of the product? Or is there is there some other elements that you see, like you understand why it's done so well? So the brand is everywhere, which I think is a secret sauce of the brand through the years. I always say that we are as ubiquitous as Coca-Cola to parents. Everyone has one of our brands in their closet, whether you are Kim Kardashian in your Oshkosh Bagash overalls, or whether you're a single dad trying to make ends meet where, you know, on WIC at the grocery store and putting your kids in Carter's there is, we've touched everyone in the United States and beyond uh, all over the world with our brands. And so when a uh, mom or dad um, enters the parenthood journey, the first thing you ask is advice from your peers, from your parents. How do I do this? Where do I go? Where do I shop? And I think being 157 years of being part of parents' lives, there is that nature of parents pass down tips and tricks around parenthood, but they also pass down the love of our brands and gift those brands. So there's a big emphasis for us on really perpetuating that sort of role of uh, being present in every parent's life so that we can impact the next generation. I love that idea of, of generation to generation, but you know, clothing doesn't necessarily stay the same generation to generation and you know, color palettes and styles and what's, what's in... I mean, some products do, of course, but do you always have to think about update, making sure like the visual merchandise is modern, the product's different. Like, are you constantly having to evolve the product or is it more that it's quality and consistency that stands the test of time? No, uh, we have to continue to evolve, right? Trends change. Uh, Those things happen. We have an incredible design and merchandising team that is always staying on top of what's trending in baby. How are the the fabrics changing? What are the, the features that we can add? How is the the fashion evolving to baby, right? Uh, I think that's been a biggest change in probably the last five years is the approach and the impact of social media on how you present your child uh, in social media versus how you have to get through day to day when they spit up uh, all over themselves versus the presentation of making sure uh, their first birthday picture looks great on Instagram. Uh, so that's that's definitely something. And I'm just lucky that I work with great partners who are wizards at that part of the business. And we help just help understand how to translate that to consumers. You mentioned um, doing exclusives for Target and Walmart and Amazon. And so when you do that, in a way, you're creating product just for those um, different companies. Does that still have like the same branding on it? And, and is, it, is it different product? Like how do you differentiate those products for those retailers? So all of our products at those uh, retailers, the Amazons, the Target and Walmart are all branded with Carter. So we have Simple Joys by Carter's at Amazon. We have Just One You um, by Carter's at Target. So 
definitely still that Carter's halo exists across all of the channels um, and has that impact. But we do tailor the line and the design and the marketing to each of those different audiences um, because each brand uh, and each retailer has their own needs and has their own audience. Everyone wants to be special, right? They want to feel like they have something that's different from uh, a, com- a competitor. That's a really great insight, I think, for building the business. And because business is always, you know, US based businesses, we have to grow or die. You know, that's just like the way it is. That's our mentality <laughs> in America is everything has to, has to grow quarter to quarter. And, you know, big part of the CMO's job is to make sure that that growth is, is healthy for brand equity, but also the numbers are working. And so that is one really great insight that I'm assuming is, is, is part of your success is that exclusive product idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things is you really want your brand to be where the shopper is and shoppers shop all different places. And so having our brand show up in different ways in each of these bespoke retailers is really important. And I think the other thing that you mentioned about the constant evolution of product is also a really great one because no one wants to have their kid in the exact same thing that everyone else has. You know, it's it's the way like Nike is always coming out with with new product and it's hard to get the product once it's sort of out and released and gone. And I think that idea of constant evolution of the product, then doing exclusive products, the name's ubiquitous, but the product is sort of uh, differentiated. And I think that, that that's another great insight uh, that I got from this conversation as well. Anything else that you think people would want to know or the way you think about t- how an old brand stays young, how, how an old brand, which I love that sort of uh, turn of phrase because of, of your target audience, but how, how, anything else that you think we've, we haven't covered about that outlasting the competition and how an, an old brand stays young? Yeah, I think, I think the one piece or the one element is a mantra that I live by that also I think applies to the brands that I've worked on. And someone gave me this piece of advice, so I'm not going to take, take the claim for the quote, um, but the quote is simply this. There's no traffic if you make your own lane. And if you think about that as a brand that's been around for 165 years or as you build your career, um, if you choose your own lane, you don't get compared to others. And so as I think about that, both as a, as a leader and how I've grown, I've taken jobs that didn't exist before. I've asked for assignments that, that didn't exist and built my career doing things in, in categories that people didn't think was possible. And then similarly, I think with brands, how do we do things with brands that um, people aren't expecting? I love that. So I'm going to ask you a couple personal questions in a second. But I, my last question on the kind of work front is... How much do you think what you do in marketing and in your career is solar science? Is it more one or the other? Is it you know eighty percent data, twenty percent how you're feeling or gut? How how do you think about that as as you head up these brands and 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 think about marketing? I probably would um, lean towards the heart more than the science. Um, and the soul more than the science. And I think it goes back to um, lo- finding Ace of Base when I was 16 and just knowing instinctually that that was a hit and that, that I needed to get that to my friends. I think there's some things that you just can understand if you know an audience that you you gravitate towards and you build that sort of success rate of trusting your soul and understanding the soul of the consumer and you go with that. So I'm probably a 60 to 70% soul and 
30 to 40% science. Um, if you, if you were to look at that, just because I think science is a grounding and a platform to help you understand and help you measure, but some things in creativity, a focus group's never going to, going to parse out for you. That's great. Do you also have a personal quote? You know, sometimes people say a word that they think about that sort of drives them. Do you have any, anything like that, that you're always keeping in the back of your mind, either personally or, or professionally? I wouldn't say it's a quote, but someone gave me this idea that, that I try and live by. It's a triangle. There's three points to your, your life uh, that you have to think about. And the questions about your life and it applies to career, which is there's three points to the triangle. One is, do I like the people around me? Am I ha- the second one is, uh, am I having fun? And the last one is, am I learning, learning and growing as a human being? And if those three are in sort of harmony, you're in the best place in your life. It's generally, you're always getting sort of two out of the three. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've only got one of the three, you got to change something in your own life. And so it's less a quote, but it is sort of like, a, a sort of work life, personal balance that I like to keep between those three points. Fun learning and people. Exactly. I like that triangle. I'm going to think, and I think that applies professionally and personally, like you can oh, take that for all aspects of your life. 100%. Do you have any people that have inspired you or role models in your life that you feel got you to where you are or were in, inspirational to you in some way? Yeah, I would say on a, on a personal level, both my mom and dad uh, are, are inspirations You know, to me as how, how to be a good human, how to be a good father, how to be a good husband, um, how to be a, uh, somewhat of a good son. Uh, I try my best to make, make sure I show up for my mom and dad in a good way, but they really sort of set set the set the table for me and allowed me to 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 grow as a human being and, and I'll I'll be forever grateful. On a business side, um, my mentor and sort of person I look up to in life is Greg Creed, who was the CEO of Yum and, and retired recently a couple of years ago. But he was the president of Taco Bell, the president of KFC Australia, and he sort of has this mantra of leading with the heart, and everything he does is really focused on driving results, being unique, being creative but also doing it with people at the forefront. And so he's really been how I've shaped my sort of leadership philosophy on how I am as a leader, how people are first and how we've got to go far um, together. And that's sort of what has led me. I, lo- I love that. You know, the theme was outlasting the competition, how, a, how an old brand stays young. And really, I think what I got from the conversation was this idea of of focusing on the uh, really understanding the consumer, moving at the speed of culture and and creating partnerships, really, I think there's something about this appeal of going from generation to generation, and in a way, the gener the generation before becomes part of your marketing for the next generation, which I think is is a really great insight. The constant evolution of product, as well, and doing exclusives. And then personally, I learned from you this idea of no traffic if you make your own lane. I'm going to be thinking about that quite a bit. And the triangle of people around you constantly learning and, and I'm making sure you're having fun, which I think I need to add that fun one a little bit more into uh, my work life, <laughs> I think is great insight. So, uh, you know, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Jeff, uh, for enlightening us both from a, from a marketing standpoint and, and personally as well. Uh, Thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure, Jason. Thanks so much for listening to Soul and Science, and we'll see you next week.
Own Science is a Mechanism podcast produced by the amazing Frank Driscoll, Ryan Tillotson, Tyler Nielsen, Emma Swanson, and Sophie Marone, with theme music by Kyle Merritt. I'm your host, Jason Harris. Thank you.